Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. Stand firm then, and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. Galatians 5.1. I hope you're memorizing that verse. I hope that through this series you are getting a glimpse of what it means to live in freedom with Christ. Now the first week uh, we, we looked at the first chapter of uh, Galatians and we realized Paul right out of the gate had a negative word for the people because they had chosen to walk away from the gospel. They were they were chasing after something that really wasn't the gospel. They were chasing after man issues, man-made things. And then two weeks ago, we, we looked in chapter 2 and we realized that, that there are people who will mislead us. And as believers, our responsibility is not to be misled or to mislead anyone, but to be focused on the gospel. Well, so today... We want to look at the first nine verses of chapter 3 and, and have an understanding of the gospel. If I was to ask you, what is the gospel? Could you define the gospel? Could you, could you articulate what that is? Um, a lot of people struggle with what the gospel is. They, they've got an idea of God. They've got an idea of things, but they, they miss the gospel. Sammy Hagar, if you are a child of the 80s, uh, grew up on 80s music, anybody, you right, you know, uh, had the, uh, had the uh, business in the front, party in the back, that's why I have no hair any longer, uh, but you know, 80s music, uh, Sammy Hagar was a lead singer with Van Halen for a time, uh, he's been out on his own more than he's been with a group, uh, his most famous song is I Can't Drive 55, you know, those types of things, well Sammy Hagar years ago came out and made this confession that he was a believer in God. And in the article, uh, the, the writer of the article asked Sammy Hagar, so how do you take this statement that Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me? Well, Sammy Hagar says, well, you know, I don't know that I believe that. I'm not even sure if that's right. I, I, that sounds like something man would make up. I, I don't think Jesus would ever say anything like that. And the article goes on and Sammy Hagar quickly reveals he doesn't understand the gospel well because through the, through the article, Sammy Hagar just says, hey, listen, I think there's this guy named Jesus that we shouldn't worship, but he came to kind of show us the way. I mean, he, I mean, if we'll do what he did, I think we'll have a good life. And, you know, I kind of obey most of the Ten Commandments. See, there are moments for everybody, and, and I don't pick on Sammy Hagar. We could have picked on a thousand people in, who, who stand up and go, well, this is what the gospel is, and miss it. But the point is, if we're going to talk about the gospel, we've got to understand what the gospel is. We have to have a right understanding about what that gospel is. And so this morning, Paul reiterates to the church at Galatia what the gospel is. Uh, so you remember, the church has been founded, has been going well, but all of a sudden these, these people have been coming in and they have been trying to persuade the, the church that the gospel, yes, it's about Jesus Christ, 
But it's also about Moses. And let's not forget all the laws and the commands we're supposed to keep. You're supposed to do this. Oh, yes, yes, we, we celebrate Jesus. But remember all these other things. And every time the church listens, it goes down the wrong path. Same way in our culture today. Anytime we take our eyes off Jesus, we start going the wrong direction. And so this morning, let's, let's understand what the gospel is. So if you have your Bibles and you're at Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, would you stand as we honor the reading of God's word? You foolish Galatians. I, you know, I wish Paul would be a little more direct. I don't know about you. You foolish Galatians. Who has cast a spell on you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after being beginning by the Spirit, you are now finishing by the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing? If in fact it was for nothing. So then, does God give you the Spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law? Or is it by believing what you've heard? Just like Abraham who believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. You know then that those who have faith, these are Abraham's sons. Now the Scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and proclaim the gospel ahead of time to Abraham's, saying, all the nations will be blessed through you. Consequently, those who have faith are blessed with Abraham, who had faith. You may be seated. Real simple today, here's our big idea that I want you to catch from our text. To experience freedom in Christ, you must understand the gospel, what it offers and requires of you. If you're going to experience the gospel, if you understand that gospel, then you know what, is, what it offers you and what's required of you. So Paul writes to the church here, and he begins this conversation, and, and again, he, he, he holds nothing back to the church. Sometimes I think we need to be spoken to as directly as Paul was trying to speak to them. You foolish people. When did you think this was right? When did you, when did you become saved through what you did? Or was it not by faith? So this morning, let's, let's kind of unpack Paul. Paul pushes that the gospel is about faith. Let, let's talk about the gospel. I, I've listed several things there in your bulletin that, that sometimes people, when they talk about the gospel, say these things, but, but it's more than these things. And so let me, let me share a few of them with you. Uh, the gospel, it's more than a baby. Uh, don't misunderstand me. Jesus comes in the form of a child born of a virgin. That is a big deal. But the gospel is so much more than just that. The gospel has 
greater implications than just he came as a baby. And sometimes we see people who love just the, the, the thought of Jesus as a baby and they, they get all so excited about Christmas. But if we, if we celebrate Christmas but miss Easter, we do not understand the gospel. And so the gospel is more than a baby. The second thing is, the gospel is more than a miracle worker. Sometimes we, we hang on this one. We see, see God as our miracle worker. We read in Scripture where he does all these miracles. He turns water into wine. He feeds the 5,000. He raises the dead. He heals the sick. And so, in our mind, when we think about the gospel, we think, oh, that's the God that I want. That's the Jesus I want. I need these things. Here's my list of ailments today. God, would you just show up and fix me? But the gospel's more than, than a miracle worker. Jesus came, and yes, he did all those miracles, but it was to show who he was. It would show his power, his might, so that we would understand the gospel. <laughs> the gospel is more than, than a miracle worker, more than a preacher. We look at Matthew's gospel, and we read uh, chapters 5 through 7, and we find that Jesus was, was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest sermons ever preached. And as he would go, he would teach, whether it be by the seashore or in a boat, he was proclaiming the good news of God. But he's more than a preacher. Uh, don't, don't misunderstand me. We need to hear these words that he proclaims, but the gospel is more than that. And then we've got this one. The gospel is more than an empty tomb. It's more than an empty tomb. For you remember, on that day when they, when they saw the empty tomb, the Jewish leaders decided to, to proclaim somebody had stole his body, taken him. We, we can't worship an empty tomb. The empty tomb does nothing for you or for me. See, the gospel has implications for your life and for my life. It changes who we are drastically. It changes our thought processes. It changes how we live. It changes how we treat one another. It changes what we worship. It changes everything. And an empty tomb doesn't do that. So, here's your definition or another thought. The gospel is about what Christ did on the cross. You have to come to the moment and notice the cross. You take the cross out of the equation of Jesus' life, there is a lot that falls apart. But when we come to the cross and we realize what he did on the cross, he took our sins to the cross so that we could be reconciled with God. Just like the video earlier said, we're all sinners. Our only hope is in God and what God will do. And what did God do? He sent his one and only son. And he sent him to the cross. Jesus comes to this earth with one purpose. 
And that's to go to the cross. It's not, happen, it's not by accident, happenstance. It's purpose that he goes to the cross. And so here's your definition for the cross. The gospel is the good news about what Jesus Christ has done to reconcile sinners to God. Catch that. The whole thing is important. The gospel is good news. And sometimes, sometimes people will just say the gospel means good news. Great. What is the good news? You have to go further than just say gospel is good news. You have to understand what that good news is. The good news is, is that Jesus, what Jesus has done to reconcile sinners to God. In other words, if it's not for Jesus, you and I are dying and going to hell. But Jesus went to the cross. And as he went to the cross, he brought salvation to all those who would believe. And so when Paul writes to the church, they've lost sight of this and they have focused on what man has said. And, and, and let's don't kick the church too hard. Don't raise your hand. But sometimes we believe what somebody tells us until there's a point in our life that we realize that wasn't true. And Grandma said some things. She was spiritual, but she said some things that we thought were true. But until we read our Bible, we didn't realize how wrong she was. Now, do you think your grandmother misled you on purpose? No. But sometimes we lose sight of what the cross and the gospel is and we turn our attention to issues that man has proclaimed. And the church did that. Oh, if you want to be saved, if you want to be spiritual, you would do these things. When the truth of the matter is, everything that we needed to be done happened on the cross. And so... When we look at that, we, we see what the gospel is. Well, let's talk about what the, go the, the gospel offers. It offers three things for, for you and for me. The first one is justification. Justification. The cross offers justification. As we see here in the text, we find where, where Paul writes to them and he tells them in verse 8 about being justified. Now the scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles. Justify means to make us right, just as though we had never sinned. To make us right in the eyes of God. You see, everyone is required a sin payment, for we're all sinners. Each one of us came into this world a sinner. And a payment is due for that sin. And that payment is a blood payment. Now, we can choose that blood payment to pay it ourselves. Which means it's our life separated from God. Or, we can choose Christ's blood on the cross for our sins. Cross offers that justification. Paul reminds them that even Abraham, that it was prophesied that God would 
justify even the Gentiles. That justification is available for you and for me. For if we've never confessed Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we can find that justification through Christ and Christ alone. Now, the second thing the cross offers us is sanctification. Sanctification is a little different than justification. Justification puts us right in God's eyes. Sanctification is all about a process in which we're growing in wisdom and knowledge. Growing in righteousness. Growing in a sense in which we are, are becoming righteous. Now, here's the thing. If you've ever had a two-year-old, you would never say that that two-year-old was sanctified. Because two-year-olds have this habit of being called terrible twos. Now, why is it terrible twos? Because they're all the time throwing a fit. They're all the time getting into things. They're all the time making people pull their hair out. Same way with us when we come to know Christ. We're learning a new, new way of life. We're learning how it is to live in holiness and righteousness. And as we grow in wisdom and knowledge, we are sanctified. We are growing in that knowledge, and we understand, oh, so God wants me to do, you fill in the blank, sanctification. That's what that, that's what that means. So he, so he tells us that we're sanctified. And then the third thing we find in this text is that he gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit. Paul writes to the church, he tells them in verses 2 through 5, all about the, the work of the Spirit. It's the Spirit in your life. It's, the, it's, it's not what you did, but what God has done. It's the, the work of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we receive the Spirit, and that Holy Spirit then becomes God's voice to us, God's path, directing our life. We, we begin to understand what we should and shouldn't do. We begin to, to study, and as we pray, we pray, and the Spirit takes our prayers and offers them to God. It's the Holy Spirit in our life working in us and through us to make us right. So think about this. Understand the gospel. The gospel is about what Christ did on the cross to reconcile us to himself. And the gospel offers us a way to be right before God, to be justified. It offers us a way to, to grow in righteousness. And then thirdly, it offers us a way to hear from God. Catch that. The empty tomb doesn't do that. The baby in the manger doesn't do that. The miracle worker doesn't do that. Now hear me very carefully. All those aspects of Jesus' life help us understand that he is the son of God. But it's what he does on the cross that transforms our lives that gives us sanctification, justification, and the Holy Spirit. Leads to the third thing. What is it that the gospel requires of you? The gospel requires you to 
And it's real simple. We see this in the text. Believe in what Christ has done. Real simple. Believe in what Christ has done. Paul writes to them. He tells them early in, the, in the, these verses. I want to learn this, verse 2. I want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing in what you heard? <laughs> Later in the, in the text, he reminds us in verse 6 that just like Abraham who believed in God, it was credited to him for righteousness. So what's required of us with the gospel? It's to believe in what Christ has done. Now we stop and we start thinking about all that Christ has done. When we think about him as the miracle worker, how else can he change water into wine? How else can he walk on water? How else can he feed the 5,000 with such little if he's not the son of God? Oh, he is. And so when he goes to the cross, and we hear those words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We see a, a God who loves us. When we see an empty tomb, we recognize they didn't steal the body and take him away, but that he arose from the grave. And we have testimony of eyewitnesses who witness what Christ has done. What's the gospel require of you? To believe in what he's done. L listen, there's a lot of things in this world that require a lot out of you. If you want to get a driver's license, you, it requires you to take a test to drive a, a vehicle. This week, J.J. and I went to lunch, Nelson. I parallel parked, and J.J. said probably in his lifetime, he's never parallel parked once. I said, millennial. Uh, but then I laughed and said, you know what? I had to learn to parallel park a school bus. He said, you didn't. I said, it was required on my CDL test. I parallel parked a school bus. I said, now, nah, that's the only time I've ever parallel parked a school bus. I'll keep driving. But I did parallel park a school bus for that. Requires that to get a driver's license. What's it require you in your life? Well, you're required to do a lot of things. If you want a paycheck, you show up for work. If you want to be healthy, you exercise, eat right, take your medicine. There's a lot of things that require a lot of us. But God says, if you'll just believe if you just believe in me, if you believe that I love you, if you believe just as Greg quoted John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that that's all God's looking at he wants you to truly believe in your heart 
that Christ has paid the debt, that he loves you unconditionally, if you will truly believe that and give your life to him, he'll justify you, he'll sanctify you, he'll give you the Holy Spirit. But let's, let's understand, that's what's the gospel. Not everything else, not all these other things that people make out. It's by believing that Jesus reconciled sinners through the cross. Had Robinson was a preaching professor for many years, long past now, and wrote several preaching books. In one of his preaching books, he tells a story about a hotel in Galveston, Texas. It was out on the Gulf. And they had spent quite a bit of money to put this in the water. So you would, in your hotel room, would look out your window and you would be, the hotel was built on piers and water would come under, you'd see the water. The hotel decided uh, before they opened, they needed to put signs on all the windows in the hotel. No fishing from the windows. So the hotel opens. And before long, you have all these people who are sitting looking out at this beautiful water and they see a, a fishing line coming down and a fish coming up and flapping against the window. And they were like, we put signs in the hotel room, no fishing out of the windows. Finally, the management, it got so bad, people were like, this is not even, this, we came to see a beautiful view and now all we see is these strings and People were mad because their fishing line got tied up with somebody else. They had a big one on their line. Anyways, whole thing. Hotel management decided, how do we fix this? Somebody said it's real simple. Let's go around to all the rooms and take the signs out. I mean, let's be honest. Who thinks about fishing outside of a window of a hotel room? We gave them the idea when we said... No fishing out the window. And so they did. You see, what, what set out as a, an idea to be helpful turned into something that caused more problems. Please understand, when we, if you're reading through the, the Old Testament with us right now, you, you, we're about to get to where they start making these laws and these rules. These things were to be helpful. But man got in the way. And when man got in the way, we took God's Ten Commandments and we made 636 laws to try to understand how to be right, how to be holy. And that means washing your hands a certain way. It means eating a certain way. It means don't get around people. When God said, you're making it overcomplicated. It's about believing in what Christ did on the cross. This morning, if you've never confessed Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today you've heard the gospel. You've heard what it is. It's about Jesus going to the cross so that we could be saved.
that our sins could be paid for. You've heard what that, what benefit that brings to you. But you've also heard what it requires of you. This morning, if you've never confessed Christ to your personal Lord and Savior, would you do that today? Just a moment, I'll be right here at the front. You, you come. We'd love to share with the church of your decision. Maybe there's another decision on your heart. You do that today as we stand.